This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're being pursued by death and dancing the bossa nova while watching spine number 48 in the Criterion Collection, Marcel Camus' Black Orpheus from 1959. But first, RJ, you watched that first episode of American Gods? I did. I did indeed. Did you watch that first episode of I, American I, Gords? I did not. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I I thought I'd throw you a curveball and uh, drop that on you because I saw it, pop, was it Sunday? I saw mm-hmm. it uh, popping up on my Twitters and stuff. And I'm like, oh, RJ is a big Neil Gaiman guy. And uh, true. But you know what? I've heard like almost no talk about it. So what's up with you, that? You want the hot deets on it? Yeah. Uh, I watched it with Andrea. Mm-hmm. And she thought it was trash. Okay. She thought it was real bad. Hmm. Uh, She almost stopped watching. And she's actually read most of that book. Oh. And when I mean most, uh, I think she read half of it. And then she's like, I don't like this. So I guess she's not really the the target. But uh, I can see why that first episode, I think, would lose a lot of people. Um, Because it's like the intro to the book you kind of get thrown in the deep end with the character and he gets like introduced to all this stuff, but like he doesn't know what it all is. So it's like, that's what it is. Like he's, it takes a while for him to figure out what all this stuff is, but like as a TV show, they do that too. And then it's really kind of like, it leaves you wondering, like Andrea has read that part of the book, but watching the TV show, she was just like, she's like, what's going on? Like, what is all this stuff? Cause like you introduce characters but like they don't really come back at all in the first episode. So it's all setting stuff up later down the road, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of them pay off. But uh, I could see why mm-hmm. uh, people maybe who are unfamiliar with Neil Gaiman or just like just unfamiliar with him and fantasy writing like that. I could see why you'd get thrown off. Um, yeah. At, for me, like you said, I am a big fan. I liked it. But it's also because, like, I know where it's all leading, so right. I can have the patience for that. Uh, it's real gory. Like, there's a lot of special effects. And, like, mm-hmm. you can tell it's the Hannibal crew doing it all. Okay. Like, it's very obvious. There's a lot of slow-mo, oh, like, pouring blood type of stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> like, so all I, the slow-motion blood droplets that, yeah, that, that Hannibal yeah. made famous? Yeah. Yeah, so this is just, it, it's just Hannibal continued, basically. Like, Hannibal got canceled, so they just went to make this. Um, I don't know. Like, some well, some of the actors are good. Like, everything, so, yeah, hey, folks, uh, this is your first episode. We do talk uh-huh. about Criterions, but uh, we sometimes uh, talk about other things, uh, like television shows um, and pilots, I guess. Um, yeah, anyway, so... I don't know about this American Gods show. Like the way you're describing this, though, it's like it sounds like this idea that Andrea is not the target audience. I'm like, no, she 100% is the target audience because its entire job is to like get people to watch the show. And if it's like turning people yeah. off, then it's failing right right off the bat, which is not a good sign. And the whole idea of like setting stuff up for like future future episodes to pay off, it's like kind of I don't know. I guess it's it's designed for binge watching like down the road. But, right. um, I mean, you, Netflix can do that because it's all ready to go. But now, mm-hmm. how many episodes is American God supposed to run? Ten episodes? I think eight. Eight, okay. So, yeah. I mean, that's two months it's going to run. Um, it's mm-hmm. probably going to wrap up just before Game of Thrones. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like, like I said, like I have, I had no idea that it was out, and like I haven't heard anyone say anything about it one way or another. But I'm kind of like out of that loop. Um, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, you know, I see like all the trailers that get popping mm-hmm. up, like Defenders or whatever today, and people all creaming their jeans. <laughs> oh, that that looks so bad. I I didn't. Bother. I watched it without sound, and it has one of those hallway fights that was in every one of those shows. Right. Uh, but anyways, anyways, uh, yeah, American Gods. So uh, I'll say this. Andrea didn't like it when we were watching it. But then the day after she was like, so what did you think of that show? Which she usually doesn't ever do. So mm. I feel like she's interested to keep going. I think she said she'll give it one more. And I do think I do think in the next episode, it'll be a little more straightforward. There won't be as much jumping around to like random characters. Has Crispin Glover shown up yet? No, no, I don't think he I see. I think they're kind of uh they're kind of going off a little bit because I I've seen some of these actors get are like credited for like multiple episodes, but like, like uh mad Sweeney, the leprechaun, uh, he was really good in the first episode, but he's only really in like the first chapter of that book. But mm-hmm. he, I, I saw he was tagged for, I think six or seven of the episodes. So I think they're going to like continue these characters going. And like, right. I think Crispin Glover, I can't even remember his character in the book. Like he's, he's like the world God. I don't, mm. I don't even remember who he was in the book. Maybe I just the 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 thing with that too is a lot of the chapters, like every other chapter, was like just uh, like a folklore t- tale of yeah. like a god or like a myth or something that had nothing to do with the actual book itself. So it was like introducing like or just telling you a tale about like this big kind of legend myth. So I think maybe there's some of that in there, but I don't know. I think Andrea will give the second one a shot. Uh, I liked it. Um, I think Andrew's comment was it's too complicated for a TV show. Mm, like yeah. it works as a book, but like, cause in that first episode you have like, you're introducing characters and then you have shadow going into like the dream world, seeing like visions of the future with like moving trees and like, I don't know. It does, it does throw a lot at you, well, but like, yeah. I think what you said, it'd be better as a binge. Probably. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, the thing is though, is like, Game of Thrones, like it's it's a fairly complex show, and yeah, but I mean, I don't know, they, they kind of uh, have managed to make it work, and I think people are willing to give like some genres, like like straight up fantasy stuff, like uh, yeah. more benefit of the doubt. Um, and American Gods, because it's contemporary, right? Like it's just yes. set like in now, and so I think people, I don't know, when you when you said. Uh, was it indulgent? How you described it initially, right off the bat, is like it sounded like True Blood, <laughs> but it's not like that uh, sort of like thing, right? Like it's not that. Yeah, I don't know. I never watched True indulgent. Blood. Okay, me neither. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a little, but like I don't know. I think that's kind of the point of some of it. Um, I, I'm gonna watch it all because, of as course. you said, I'm a big Neil Gaiman yep. fan. So I'd say once the second episode comes out, for you to just watch one and two together, and then you'll know right you'll know right away whether you like it or not. Cool. Um, but yeah, all the actors were good. Uh, Mad Sweeney was really good. There was one really dumb part where the like main character Shadow, like he's driving to his wife's funeral, and he just stops, or he like wakes up and he's on a hill and he just yells, and it's like a like a 360 pan camera around him. And I was like, what is the point of this? I was like, this has nothing to do with anything. And then, like, uh, I don't know. There was some dumb stuff, I guess. But I don't know if that's from them or Neil Gaiman. Like, it doesn't translate from book to screen. Like, he, he's in prison. And then, like, the warden's like, hey, we're letting you out early because your wife died. So you got to go to your, her funeral. 
Like, that's the first scene. I'm not giving anything away. And then, like, in the very next scene, not even five seconds later, a guard's like, good news, bad news. Good news is you're getting out of jail. Bad news is your wife's dead. And it's like, <sighs> we know. It's like, we literally just had a scene, like, explaining that entire situation. Like, mm. why is there another scene with a guy doing the same thing? Anyways, that's hey. nitpicky stuff. I thought it was fine. I'll give you some updates next week. All right. Hey, RJ, how you doing otherwise? <laughs> oh, I'm fine, I think. Busy. Mm-hmm. Living that cow life. You uh, recovered from that WWE payback from Sunday night? Oh, God. I didn't I didn't know if you were going to talk about it or Very not. briefly, very briefly. Yeah. I don't have much to say. It didn't have the glit and glamour of... Uh, WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as Jairus mentioned, there was a, a WWE pay per view last weekend that I attended with him and the boys, mm-hmm. and I brought some snacks for the boys. Uh, so this is the payback, the mm-hmm. payback of WrestleMania. Yep. Uh, and it, all I, all I it, it was fine. I don't know. The big talk, I think, was that House of Horrors match. That's what everybody was talking about. Yeah, that was so. It was definitely the. Uh, I had fun watching that, knowing going yeah. in that it was going to be one of those all-time worst wrestling matches. So mm-hmm. that was cool. That was cool. I don't even have anything to say. Do you have anything to say about wrestling? <laughs> no, not really. Wrestling payback? No, not at all. not really at all. I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, um, it was fine watching it, but I don't have uh, any hot takes like I did last time. Right. Because it didn't seem like much happened. Yeah, now you're just you're growing. Now you'll just grow numb to the uh, product, and uh, uh, it'll just be like you'll be disenchanted like all the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Well, I enjoy watching it, but yeah. I, I'm sure I'll get there one day. I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Are, how are you doing, Jer? Oh, I'm great. Uh, yeah. I'm on day three of unemployment, uh, which yeah. as depressing as that sounds, it's been fantastic. I get to uh, get rest in the morning. You know, I have to be up bright and early to get to work. Oh. And uh, yeah, so I've been just uh, brushing up on my drawing skills and catching up Ooh. on podcasts. I've been managing to get some extra movies watched, which has been a nice change of pace. Really, um, taking in the beautiful weather we've been experiencing up until yesterday, <laughs> where we had like a strange like mini hailstorm for like about thirty seconds. Um, yeah. Other than that, though, it's been a great few days, great week overall. Thanks yeah, for you, asking. <laughs> yeah, you picked a great time to be unemployed because I believe tomorrow's forecast is like 28 degrees Celsius. So Jesus, it's, it's gonna be a scorcher out there. Well, the sun's out, guns out. Uh, sun's out, buns out. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what the kids say. Uh, speaking of what those kids nice. are saying, we got an email, RJ. Whoa! Um, Oliver Granger, still working his way through uh, a couple episodes. Last week he sent nice. us one just on the most dangerous game. Just mentioning oh. the same thing about uh, King Kong, uh, the how the sets were used at night, and uh, oh, okay. those scenes were shot uh, using those sets. And yeah. that's why he really liked the movie. It was just a little side project, but it was decent as it was. As it was. And I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah, pretty much our same sentiment. It's fine. It's pretty, like it's decent enough, but... Yeah. Not gonna fucking blow your head off. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so what have you been creeping on this week, RJ, other than that American Gods episode? Uh I have two mild creeps for you. Mm-hmm. And they were both uh teased last episode. Oh. 
So first, I'm since this is a multimedia podcast that doesn't talk about Criterion's, as that one reviewer had mentioned before, two guys who don't know movies don't talk about Criterion. Um, I read, as I mentioned last week, I read two books. And you know why I'm bringing it up, Jared? Why? Because the book was bought, uh, optioned as a movie two years ago by Mr. Robert Downey Jr. So <laughs> I, which I don't know what that means, but I don't like, know. <laughs> I, I know he bought the rights to that uh, Black Mirror episode, uh, right. the, and uh, that was like six, seven years ago, and he was going to make a movie on that, but that never happened. So this good. might be a movie one day. Okay. Uh, so I read a book called uh, A Head Full of Ghosts by yeah, Paul Tremblay. Right. Have yeah. you heard of this book? Uh, just from you. So about two years ago, this thing was breaking all the headlines, man. Uh most infamously, uh, Stephen King, our buddy Steve, tweeted out that uh, this book will scare you. And I was like, ooh, shit. That book scared King. <laughs> That's it. He, That's all. Because he's spooktacular, you know, and if uh, he gets scared, it must be really scary. So I bought it a long time ago, and I wanted to read it. And uh, I read it in like a day, which would suggest that I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of liked it, and I kind of absolutely hated it awesome. for a few reasons. So as I mentioned last week with Gerald's Game on Stephen King, that shows why he's such a good writer. And then this book shows why other writers aren't good. Uh, he, he's, I don't care if he's listening. He's, oh, he's not listening. So yeah. continue. So, well, okay. I'll just preface with, like I said, I read it in a day. Like It was actually pretty easy to read. But I think there's some problems there. So the story of this book is that it's like uh, a new American family, like the new nuclear family, mom, dad, two kids. And then the oldest kid starts like basically is like an acute schizophrenic but and starts acting really weird. But they think the dad's like thinks that she's possessed. So they're going to do an exorcism. And uh, it kind of what it comes down to is like they're really struggling for money and stuff like that. And they think their daughter is possessed. So they sell out the rights to their life to a TV company. And the TV company moves in to film uh, what's like her possession and then the eventual exorcism. Like that's the climax okay. of the book. And then it's all told from the younger kid. Like it's two girls. So the younger daughter She's grown up and she's telling the story to a reporter like 20 years after it happened. It's like Citizen Kane. Yeah, kind of, kind of. So it was easy to read, but he's really inconsistent on like the point of view, I guess, from like or the perspective of like the narrator. Because like she's she's talking about what it was like when she was a little kid, but she like uses descriptors that like don't fit. Like kids mm. wouldn't say that stuff. And like it, it's really inconsistent because she'll like say stuff from the point of view of like a little kid, and oh. then it'll be like, "I was discontent with such things." And it's like, what, it's like, what do you mean? Like, as a little kid, you were discontent because I'm pretty sure as like a four year old doesn't know what that word means. Like, do you? So you know what I mean? I yeah. Well, she, so, she's describing what she felt like when she was a. I, I don't know. It's a weird trade-off, though, because it's like you can't – it'd be kind of terrible to write something at with a, the actual vocabulary. Is like, But it, go, it goes back and forth. That's what I, I'm saying the problem is. Like yeah, yeah. She's, she's narrating it as a little kid but all but using like an adult, and it doesn't really – I see. It, you catch it. Like it's not like it, it, seamless. Yeah, it's – okay. 
And then he also has like filler chapters where it's like a blogger who is watching the TV episodes describing what happens in the episodes. Mm. And like I can see the appeal to that. No, you know what? It, this, this is like so uh, you haven't read House of Leaves yet, right? No, I, I, yeah. I see it fucking every yeah, five yeah, yeah, minutes. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's all House of Leaves fault. Like it's okay. like there's a reason why this person picked up on this idea like having a blogger in between chapters. Yeah. I mean, it's not just like, it's not just like House of Lee's invented this idea, but it popularized yeah. it. And like probably every single horror writer has read that book and they're just going yeah. to, oh, that sounds like a good idea to get another perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's why I'm staying away from that book is because everyone always fucking recommends it all the time on Reddit. And I've been burnt before. Uh, Pen Pal by Dathan Aubrecht, which I've described before is the worst fucking book I've ever read. So never, never again, burp. <laughs> Um, what was I going to get at? Okay, so anyways, uh, it has a really cheap ending where it's just like, and this is how it really ended. And I was like, fuck off. Oh. And then at the end of the book, he's like, thank you to uh, Laird Baron. Or oh, so like, yeah, Laird this Baron. is where this is <laughs> at the end. I figured out why I I hate so much of this book. He's like, thank you to my best friends Laird Baron and um, ah, fuck, who's the other? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on it right now too, stupidly, because he's so good. <laughs> Like the the guy got who plagiarized uh, off for a true detective. Yeah, wow, fuck. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyways, like it. Uh, so, like he said, those two guys' names, the uh, self-appointed kings of uh, weird Mo- fiction, of modern horror. Yeah, modern horror, weird fiction. And I think I've mentioned before, I fucking hate the term <laughs> weird fiction because I think it's just really shitty people who like can't admit that they're horror authors. It's like you write a whole horror book. It's not it, fucking weird Tom, fiction. And it just came to me as I was about to look it up. Thomas Ligotti. I'm Thomas sure. Ligotti, yeah. Laird Barron. And then, uh, yeah, there was like one other guy, hmm. but I was like, no wonder I fucking hated like so many aspects of this book. Uh, even though I read it in a day and I was like totally fucking, I was really into it and I was just waiting for something to happen and just nothing ever happened. So that's going to be a movie soon. Yep. And I hate weird fiction. And that's why. And I wanted to tell you about it. You but know, now I'm reading it, a book that I yeah. think is actually good. Well, it could probably play better as a movie then. Probably. Yep. probably. And the book I'm reading now, Jarrett. Yeah. That's going to be a movie sometime soon, too. Okay. So there you go. But you know what? I watched this week, baby. What did you, know you what I was watch on? this week? Farting Corpse movies. Oh, yeah. man. So I watched that Swiss Army Man. Mm hmm. And I'm about to blow your world. Okay. You thought I would love this movie. I thought you would love this movie. And I did. Yeah. This movie was fucking awesome. I loved it. <laughs> I and know. you know what? Andrea watched it with me. Yeah. And she liked it too. Yeah. She thought some of the more morbid parts, she was like, ugh. It was like kind of grossed out at. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like the gross parts. Just like when when he's like just laying beside the corpse, like just being tender with it. Like before, later on, like early on, she's like, this makes me uncomfortable. Right. So, but she actually liked it. She thought mm. it was fun. Uh, I don't totally understand the mass hate for it. I can see why people don't like it, but it seems like people like who don't like it, don't like it like a yeah, lot. Yeah, there's some, yeah, like I said, it's pretty divisive. Um, and like, I don't know. I, I can see why someone wouldn't like this movie but like i would like there's people i would be like hey i will recommend this movie to you like you i think i'm like oh arju will love this movie uh Mm because i know you like that eternal sunshine and this movie i think feels like it has it has a lot to do with that sort of that charlie kaufman uh and like what's his lance accord the cinematographer Mm -hmm. for all that like um 
Spike Jones stuff and mm-hmm. this like this movie looks like the the guys the guys who put this movie together they love that style and that look and they went yep. with it and they made it look right so it looks yep. really good the story I don't know uh, I love the way that Paul Dano handles the uh, farting because <laughs> he oh. just he's just like oh that's funny which is like yeah. which is like so which is even way was way better than like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of movies would go with it it's very low key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would dare say that this is one of the best endings for a movie that I've yep. like come across in a really long time. Yep. Like I, it's so good. Like I'm like, I was totally won over. Like I was like, mm-hmm. man, what a great ending. Cause it seems like so often you will watch something and the ending falls flat. It's like almost inevitable yep. to like, so you have lowered expectations, I guess, when it comes to endings, but this movie yeah. nails it. <laughs> nails it. Yeah. So that's pretty much exactly what I thought. Like I thought it was, uh, like what you said, Charlie Kaufman-esque. I loved like the way they presented everything. Uh, the farting is awesome. It's so much fun. It's so much fun, Jared. Paul <laughs> Dano, I really like. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before, but I, I think Paul Dano is fucking awesome. Um, and Daniel Radcliffe, man, he was really good in yeah. this. Yeah, no, yeah. He, was, he... he should be a fucking uh, like black comedy actor because he f- was so fucking good in this movie. I thought so. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's like, yep. I mean, it's a two-man show, and, uh... You, you didn't tell me, uh, my girl Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in this. I did not. <laughs> yeah. From, uh, Fargo Season 3, as you, uh, you like to talk about all the time, that, that show. That, that Fargo. I, I, haven't that watched Fargo. Any, I haven't watched any of that Season 3 yet. Well, you will. I will. But, uh, no, yeah, I loved it, and, uh, I really liked the ending, too, although I, I have to say, spoiler alert, if you don't want the ending spoiled, skip ahead, like, 20 seconds... All right. I really liked the ending, but uh, I thought it was really sad because they it seemed like they couldn't get to be together. Right. Because because he left. That's and right. I thought that was sad because mm-hmm. I thought that they should. They deserved it, damn it. That, but uh, but no, it's yeah, all I made up really with that that knowing that knowing nod from his dad. That's just money. Mm-hmm. Money. He gets it, man. Yeah. They all get so, it at the end. They all get it. They all, they all come they come over. They they get it. They they they, they did yeah. it. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, as you predicted, uh, I loved Swiss Army Man. And uh, surprisingly, Andrea thought it was really good, too. She was laughing at some of those parts, man. Mm -hmm. When you're uh, jet skiing through farts. (laughs) Oh, man. What what a time to be alive. But it's like, okay, I will mention, though, that, like, I think the farting thing is, like, super overplayed. Because I think it's funny just to say it's the Farting Corpse movie. Because it's, like, it sounds silly to say. And it's, I don't know, people like to be It's just an identifier. But but this movie, like, has a lot more going for it than that. There's, like, lots of conversations and, like, explaining to something somebody about life. Like, step by step and explaining, like, these really complex concepts about that we just take for granted and we're saddled with mm-hmm. and explaining these things to like a a child that basically yeah. like a childlike soul that is now in an adult's body that gets yeah. boners um and mm-hmm. and is just filled with gas and can store water and stuff and you're you, that's yeah. the, the whole thing um yeah this movie i liked quite a bit um and awesome yeah definitely a highlight i think from last year Mm-hmm. I uh, I can't wait to see more from uh, these two Daniels. Yes, so. the, the, yes, from Daniels. I also uh, went and acquired the soundtrack for this movie as well. Ooh, yeah, yeah that looked pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Pretty tasty. Or it sounded good. That's right. Uh, it sounded good. That's the point I'm trying to say. A great, a great brother, point. brother. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, so uh, much fun. Yeah. Well, I watched what could be the best film of this year already. Oh. Um, I 
like I think I, I threw this out to you the other day. Are you familiar with Lasagna Cat? I am. I am. I uh, my friend was hot on this scene too. Like uh, whenever this broke, like a month ago. Okay, so well, Lasagna Cat dates back about nine years. So mm-hmm. uh, Fatal Farm the internet geniuses making their weird short videos on YouTube. Uh, kind of when YouTube was just like kind of picking up steam back in like, I don't know, 2006, 2007, making just genius videos, super funny stuff. Uh, famously made that incredible video for uh, the Robocop remake movie involving... Uh, oh, that was them? That was them. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't piece that together. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's hmm. uh, two... The highlights I would mention would be uh, DuckTales is uh, pretty yeah. superb. And uh, there's the Happy Days uh, tr- kind of parody intros they did. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, that Robocop thing. And then there is Lasagna Cap which I, I don't know, back when it first was popping out, so the whole concept of Lasagna Cat, for those listening that don't know, um, what these guys do is they restage like those three-panel Jim Davis Garfield uh, panels, live mm-hmm. action, and they just play them out in this like deadpan, shitty way and with like a laugh track. And then it like kind of goes off from there into like something else that kind of like extrapolates from those three panel gags into just like kind of absurdity, very uh, kind of Tim and Eric style, Adult Swim Mm -hmm. style. And they were, so they were doing like that Adult Swim kind of comedy before Adult Swim really solidified it. And then they they took, then they didn't like make Lasagna Cat for like nine years. And, mm-hmm. and then they started to pop up again this year. Um, the one the one particular one that I watched um, some of was Sex Survey Results. So Sex Survey Results is four hours and 40 minutes long. Jesus. And uh, what it is, is I guess at some point, I'm not sure that I, I didn't read up about this, but they gave like viewers or like people an opportunity somehow to like call in and just like give their name and how many sex partners they have had. So Mm -hmm. they then kind of compiled this into a four and a half hour long, uh, video of John, uh, Garfield and Odie reading a newspaper about a telephone sex survey scam and a knock at the door and they go, who's there? And then you get the person saying their name, R.J. Mm-hmm. Baylog, and then the person could they come to the door? R.J. Baylog, who? They open the door, and behind the door is a mannequin, and then it's just R.J. Baylog, one, whatever it is, and then and then there's a bad weird laugh soundtrack at the joke, and then it kind of transitions back to the newspaper, uh, as right. a three panel gag, and then just keeps going over and over and over again, and now there's like a lot of subtlety to the, to the production of this. Like the, it's like all shot over the course of like a day. So the lighting changes in every scene, it's just a slight change. Uh, and so it's like, yeah. it plays out over the course of four hours until it gets to the very end. So I saw this and I was like, okay, because my introduction to this video was via letterboxed because right. I was like looking at uh, like the top, I was like, I make a list. I don't post it publicly or anything like that. Like the top 100 highest rated horror films on Letterboxd, films that are tagged by genre of horror. And this popped up there and I was like, what the hell? And then I saw the runtime, I'm like 280 minutes. Like, that's insane. What is this thing? So I looked it up and I started skimming through it. I'm like, okay, I get the joke. Um, I keep, so I skimmed right through. And then I realized at the very end, the last like 10 minutes, it changes. And so I skipped ahead to like the last 10 minutes, was watching it. And those last 10 minutes, RJ, 
of the Sixer Facer results video. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, I've watched hmm. it twice now. It gets yeah. better. Um, it kind of falls into that same like universe is like kind of like uh, Quentin Dupuis like rubber wrong. Um, uh, who else would be something like kind of like that greasy strangler to a certain degree. But sure. it's it's like it's I think I find that it's like way more honed down and like focused in a way that some of those things are not. They feel like kind of lazy jokes. This is super right. like figured out and they have like actually an idea behind it. And mm-hmm. I highly, highly recommend everybody check it out. Um I will be amazed if I see anything that I get this strong of a like a feeling from because I was la I, I described it as yell laughing, where I was just like laughing so hard at like the final mm-hmm. moments of this video. It's just it blew me away. Um, and it's already, it's my pick for best film of the year so far. So come on, 2017, you got to beat this internet video, making fun of Garfield and Jim Davis. (laughs) Well, damn, man. Yeah. That sounds really good. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. I'll check it out. Mm Mm-hmm. I hope you do. Uh, I also, as I alluded to, I've had some time. So I've been watching a few mm-hmm. more videos than recently. Uh, I checked out this anime from like the seventies called Belladonna of Sadness. Uh, of, hmm. Yeah, it it kind of like was kind of the bee's knees and like sort of the kind of draft house in a family theater circles because uh, a thirty five millimeter print was hopping around. It's, it was distributed yeah. by SpectreVision, the uh, Elijah Wood. Uh, film company. Oh, okay. They, they picked up the film yeah. rights to it because this movie's like not been available, like unrated or uncensored for mm-hmm. decades. So they put it out. Um, it's kind of like uh, it's it's anime in the loosest sense because a lot of it's like not even really animated. It's a lot of like mm-hmm. still drawings with like voiceovers over top of it, and it's like a story that's set in like I don't know 16th century Europe. Um, and it's just a story about a woman who, and like surviving in that horrible, horrible world and becoming a witch. Um, and mm-hmm. there's like horrible rapes depicted really interestingly, like, cause it's all drawings. Describe but, like, that. Describe interesting, like, like really like, they're not just like, it's not boring. It's not like exactly how you would imagine like scenes of a woman being raped would be. It's just like okay. weird, like kind of like symbolist, like oh, there's like, so arts so there's this arts and crafts movement back in the turn of the century or the 20th century it's like it's like that mm-hmm. really beautiful line work and nouvelle sort of stuff this was like this movie's drawn completely like that so it plays out these like horrific aspects that if you just see these drawings you're like oh that's a nice drawing but then you realize like with the audio and what's happening like how horrific this all is um okay. yeah no it's like a it's a fascinating thing i don't know if you'd like it very much i don't know if it's for everybody mm-hmm. but um I mean, just like I've been drawing a lot. Uh, my friend Dan, yeah. he he went and watched it. He liked it a lot. And this is usually isn't his subject matter at all. But it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, pretty fascinating piece of like animation. Uh, it's it's You could probably follow in the same area as like something like heavy metal. That uh, okay. um, kind of like a rough bashki. But I think way better than a lot of that stuff. Uh, it basically right. at times looks like the drawings from out of a Final Fantasy VI manual or something like that. That what's his name, Omar Ishi or something like that. It's yeah, it's an f- interesting watch. I, I dug it, but hmm. probably not for everybody unless you're really into anime and kind of like strange, dark subject matter, psychedelic. Uh, We're not. No, there no, you go. None of us. None. 
Uh, I checked out that Attack on Titan live action movie. Uh-oh. <laughs> How did that go? Um, yeah, so I uh, I'm a reader of the comic, the manga. And right. I, I dig that comic. It's pretty good. Uh, I, I enjoy like the weird kind of bad disjointed artwork. Uh, it plays well to the the comedy and darkness of the Titans. So if people don't know mm-hmm. what Attack on Titans is all about, uh, it's sort of set in a post-apocalyptic Japan where uh, the world has been overrun by these things called Titans. Uh, titans which are just over giant oversized human beings that don't have genitals and the only mm-hmm. thing they eat is people and they're very very difficult to kill you can't just cut their heads off you have to cut their heads off in a particular way at the nape of their mm-hmm. neck and stuff like that but and they're gigantic and they just kind of they just chuckle they're unintelligent and they just wander around so society's built up these giant walls to keep the titans out and one day, the beginning of the story, a colossal titan just happens to show up and kicks a hole into the wall, allowing these titans to all wander into the this feudal post-apocalyptic society and reduce mm-hmm. their reach even more, cutting away their cattle and farming and all that fun stuff. And so mm-hmm. now the, the the story kind of picks up where like this is like humanity's last stand. They have to repel the titans and push them out. Um, so this... Uh, live action movie tells like pretty well the first four volumes I think of the actual manga mm-hmm. um, so it doesn't go maybe three or something like that it's been a while since I've read them uh, but uh, yeah anyway so live action it, it tells the story and it's doing it all very like it's realistic so it's like instead of like kind of weird drawings that distend what these things look like they actually have filmed actors that have been like dropped in composited in as just giant people with like no genitals and like flappy and like these big weird blank funny faces and part of the problem with that is that in the comic like you kind of get that like kind of off-putting like sort of unsettling thing because they're drawings but now you have like live action things that you can interact with when you're looking at them they just become overly silly um and then you have yeah. the whole like concept. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Attack on Titan stuff, but there's like I know a bit. But yeah, well, th- so like yeah. the the heroes, like the the characters, the soldiers, the way they fight these things. They have this like elaborate like uh, steam powered propulsion system, and they can whip around like Spider Man. And essentially, mm-hmm. this is they can go between buildings, get up around these colossuses, and then cut up the, the nape of their neck. But this stuff, sure. Japanese CGI, um, is very dodgy. It always kind of has been, um, and this is like trying to be like I don't know. It's there. It was trying to be presented like a Marvel superhero movie you would be, which uh, generally have like top of the line special effects because their budgets right. are like so huge they can make things look like that. This movie's trying to do that, but at times it just comes off as like this looks so dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It seems like the Attack on Titan fan community really does not like this movie. It's got actually a surprisingly low rating on like yeah. on all of internet. I'm really surprised how low it is considering I didn't think it was that bad, but I didn't think it was very good either. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't watched the anime series to see how that plays out. Cause, cause like I've read the comics and like my feeling generally with uh, manga and anime stuff is I will only watch anime. That's like an original anime. It wasn't based on anything else beforehand. And with oh, manga, and if it's manga, like I'll read the comic. I find the adaptations never work as well as the comic mm-hmm. does. Um, so I don't know this idea of, uh, 
my friend Cam. He he was pushing these Attack on Titan movies on me real hard, wanting me to watch them and get my opinion on it. So Uh-oh. I watched it, and I it's. Uh, there's parts of it I like, I guess, but then for the most mm-hmm. part, like it, they're they're pretty badly made movies. Like the editing's really poor. Like there's just scenes that happen, and you're supposed to just care about stuff because I think it assumes that everyone watching this movie is going to be a fan. Yeah. Um, but I have seen like crazy reactions though from like general horror people that just watch horror movies that don't know it's based on a comic, and they seem to be super into like the mm-hmm. ridiculousness and the Japanese ness, I guess, of it. So uh, different audiences for it, I guess, exist. But yeah, I think if people are fans of the stuff before watching this, I, I think they really hate it a lot. And uh, coming to it, I guess, is like super horror fans. I guess someone might really like it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds alright. I'll I'll probably watch them, but after I read the manga i i bought four pack once with the first four and uh i just haven't gotten to oh, it yet oh so, well oh yeah i forgot about that you should do that yeah <laughs> well i would i just i have a pile of content like old con i haven't actually read comics in like four months so mm. just my monthly pile not to mention all the trades i buy have just been piling up so i'll get to them brother yeah i read that new jeff lemire one though asap because I'm a, I'm a mark for his stuff. Oh, mark. <laughs> As you know. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. we, we watched a movie, actually, speaking of marks. Uh, after that pay-per-view, we watched yes, we ourselves uh, a little film from 1982 directed by Louis Teague, who's directed such classic Stephen King adaptations as Cat's Eye and Cujo. Uh, mm-hmm. This Tom Selleck uh, Italian vigilante, not Italian, but vigilante movie about an <laughs> Italian sausage guy called mm-hmm. Fighting Back. <gasps> I'm not how sure. dangerous. Well, I don't know how much of this movie you remember because, I don't know, you, you were like about eight or nine beers deep. Uh, by the time we started hey, this. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. You say that like I was like stumbling around the floor. You've seen me put down a few. That's not even full tilt. I, I, I think I, I'm not an arrogant man, but I feel like I handle myself pretty good even eight or nine down. Okay. How, I don't know. How did I seem? You, were, uh, you seemed fine. <laughs> yes. So I remember this movie fine. Okay. okay. Tell us about it. Uh, so this is about an Italian sub. Uh, it's got provolone, uh, salami, prosciutto. Uh, an Italian deli man, Tom Skerritt, or as you described him, poor man's Charles Bronson. Uh, he owns a Italian deli in Philly, I believe. Yep. West Philadelphia, born and raised. Uh, and the street crime is getting, it's coming to a a point man a little out of hand a little out of hand people are getting mugged people are getting shot well ladies uh, getting their fingers chopped off yeah his uh he gets his son to walk his mama home and while they're getting walked home uh they encounter some muggers and a mugger to get off his mama's wedding ring cuts off her finger which is a little drastic mm-hmm. and also if that ring was on there that tight it probably should have come off too because yeah. that finger would be dead yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but literally one of my greatest fears ever is getting a ring stuck on a finger. So this, for that, Matt. Is this related to you uh, not sleeping with watches on your wrist when you go to bed? Uh, no, that's just uncomfortable. And anyone who would do that is a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, anyways. So uh, his mama's finger gets cut off and, you know, he's had it. 
It's time. Yeah. Oh, but see, but before that, before that, his like wife was getting oh, all right. uppity with that pimp beating on his hoe, yep. and then the that uh, pimp he ain't having none of this. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they chase him down, and there's a car crash, and then uh, Tom Skerritt's wife miscarries their baby. So yeah. he loses a baby. His mama gets her finger cut off, and then his son comes home one night, all high on smack. Oh, that, that's not his son. That's his son's friend. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was his son, but I yeah. guess I was eight eight or nine beers deep, so that'll happen. <laughs> that's fine. Um, it was kind of unclear yeah. in the movie, too. So anyways, yeah, he's had it, man. It's time to fight back. So what does he do? He starts a neighborhood patrol, baby. And mm-hmm. you know what these guys do? They wear blue and red vests, and they go get into bar fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they, they find muggers on the street and then beat the shit out of them and throw them off buildings. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, that's pretty much the mo on this movie. Uh, I thought this movie was awesome. Yeah, uh, there's some good stuff in here, man. Water balloon, fucking explosive, grenade explosives. <laughs> yep. uh, there's a lot of hanging salamis. Uh, it's got a really good message that violence uh, pays, uh, and you can solve all your problems with violence. <laughs> yeah, it's re- pretty much the it re- message. It is a celebration of fascism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I thought this movie ruled. Yeah. Uh, well, not ruled. I mean, it was good. I yeah. liked it. It's yeah. got that dirty feel that I think you like in movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so was, what did you think dirty. of Fighting Back? I thought it was okay. Um, yeah. I think it maybe it was like the time of night. I felt it kind of was slow going at a certain point where it's yeah. just like it didn't it just kept repeating like and then he does something else and then, or here's things just escalate in a sort of like kind of cyclical way not in any real like meaningful way there's like a couple of highlights like uh, I think when he goes to confront the one drug dealer selling drugs out front of his uh, kid's school and he just mm-hmm. like lays in some shots onto the guy's arm and they look oh they're like they mm-hmm. look they look rough and like I don't know if you've ever hit your elbow before but boy is that hurt and having I just imagining a guy just like going to town with like a bat or whatever it was like right on no, your joint yeah his uh, weapon of choice actually was an axe handle uh, right so right, they just handle. took the the axe head off which i think is a pretty mm-hmm. fucking baller move like he looked bad ass and then he traces the drug dealing to like the uh, local uh chicken chick fried <laughs> chicken joint fried run chicken by joint. a mafioso type of guy who just like has no time at all for this guy's vigilante bullshit yeah. and there is quite the confrontation where a, uh, he goes to the back and he pulls uh, springs out a like little battle axe <laughs> yeah it's like a scimitar <laughs> axe kind of like yeah. on both like not the blade yeah. but like on like that era of weapons it's yeah. fucking funny it's so funny. Uh, that scene is so good because yeah. like he comes in and he looks at him and the chicken guy's like so let's go and then like it, there's just an explosion of chicken and you know what he does after he fights him Jarrett? Mm-hmm. He, he takes, takes some of chi- that chicken that's right yeah and he pays for it too because right. he's not a fucking criminal that's right and yeah. he's, no. he's and he's running for office <laughs> yeah, yeah some somehow in the background it's like everyone's like everyone in this town loves you you should run for like committee member of like for your district and he's like and then uh just a spoiler alert maybe him killing people might be a benefit to his political campaign mayhaps yeah mayhaps it's working now in real life yeah it's so yeah i'd say that it's definitely better than death wish four and five (laughs) no i i liked it i thought it was a fun watch yeah it's a hard recommend. There you go for you vigilante '80s movies fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that's it for creeping. Uh, right. RJ, 
uh, there's some news this week, I'm sure, that's transpired that you'd like to tell us all about. Oh, sure. Uh, fresh off uh, the, the line here today, as uh, everyone knows, the Side Stephen King podcast. Uh, this is all I have for news. I don't know if you have anything else. But, this is all uh, I've got. Long-awaited Dark Tower trailer finally mm-hmm. came out. People uh, were expecting it uh, a couple months ago because this movie was supposed to come yeah. out in February. Well, there, there was actually. talk, like there was like a apparently there was like a leaked trailer or something that happened like late last year, and then it got pulled. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't even remember that. And then and apparently this yep. trailer got posted like unlisted. Like so, there's been no like mm-hmm. big push from the studio about this movie. It just kind of got released. Yeah, here's the thing about this movie, Jer. They've been trying to make this Dark Tower movie for about 15 years. Ron Howard tried and tried and tried, and no one ever wanted to do it. Uh, This movie has just been played. Like, it's it's a cursed film, I'm pretty sure. Not because people died on set, just because it has so much bad press against it. Like, it never was supposed to get made, and then it was supposed to come out in February, and it got pushed back until August. And then, uh, like, they kept saying they were going to come out with trailers, and then they went back to reshoots. And it just seems like this movie is in a lot of trouble. And based on the trailer, I have to uh, think – I think that might be the case. I think this Mm -hmm. movie's in trouble. Okay. Uh, Remember how excited I was when the It trailer came out? Yes. I am the opposite for this movie. And not that it looks, like, super bad. Um, I just – I think they're going about it wrong. So, like, I remember a while ago they said that this movie would be a sequel to the books. And, like, if you've read all the books, you might understand, like, what they mean by that. Like, they kind of end in a particular way, which opens up interpretation. Um, And, like, I actually thought that might be a good idea to kind of, like, blend in some of the books. Because, like, four – no, not four, uh, five and six, those two books, those two books can get compressed into like one story. So, to, to be vague on this, so I have not, I've only read the first book, which I like right. quite a bit. I, I, I tried reading the second book and I, the Neil Gaiman-ish of it just didn't appeal to me. Yeah. So like, uh, from what you're saying, is there like sort of like a, like things cycle back on itself at the ending, like where it real, like, the story could just repeat itself over and over again sort of idea? RJ's nodding. Um, you can leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't want to, like, give too much away. Like, it's this big thing. But, like, so, yeah, there is kind of, like, a cyclical element to it. Okay. And so I think it it leaves that or it opens it up to doing things like that. So I understand, like, saying that this is, like, a different kind of take on it, that's fine. Like, that's a good way to go about it because you can, like, condense it down into the best of what those seven books are because there's a lot of filler in some of those books. Um, But I think it's the wrong approach, man. Like, you should just do the first book or the second book. Like, to start, like, I think they could get away with doing the second book to start because I think that would be more appealing to a mass audience, uh, drawing of the three, and then do The Gunslinger just as a straight Western because that's what that book is. Right. And then you could do book four, which is a Western, and then you could do all the rest. Mm. Um, but I, the vibe I got on the trailer is that they're they're too influenced by big movies yeah like it's too marvel-y and and what i mean by that is not like, even in a good it's like, way it's like no a, not a good yeah. way it's like good guy bad guy and the one thing i really don't like is like they build it up where it's like uh 
gunslinger versus the man in black it's like one is good one is evil and like idris elba has a line he's like the tower like holds everything together he's like i must protect it and it's like that's really shitty because remember when i was reading those books and like in book four i hit the point where i was like apparently he's trying to protect the tower right but like the whole time before like there's no mention of that and the way they bring it up in that is that like he's just obsessed with it he doesn't know why and there's like a he big doesn't... thing too about like the whole like two worlds like there's more than one world or whatever like that's like a, that's a yeah. reveal in the books and it's like oh it's just in the trailer i guess whatever it's trailers and it's yeah. movies and people know well, yeah. about alternate universes now and yeah. Well, there, there's lots of worlds in like lots of yeah. different worlds, but I don't know. I just I think that like the way they kept building him up is that like he's just obsessed with it. He doesn't know why. Not that it's good or bad. Right. He's just like he's drawn to it. So he's always just going towards the tower. And the man on the black is or the man in black is like the side thing. Right. That like he he's just kind of like this guy that he hates. So I think. Mac- me seeing McConaughey in that makes me really uneasy because I like McConaughey, but his last couple of years have been just killers for movies. I don't know, man. I think Idris Elba looks great. Oh, he, yeah. No, he's, he's wicked as uh, yeah. Roland. Yeah, he, um, he is super action star in this. Like, he comes yep. off as like, yep, no, uh, he definitely needs, he needed to be in an action movie sooner than yep. later because he, he looks great. Yeah, he's like, I mean, at this point, probably it's like, he probably should just be James Bond. <laughs> I think, he should. Like, yeah, at this he point, should. I think like after that trailer, I'm like, at the time, I've, I've had no opinion on the matter. I just like was always like, yep. I don't know. But after seeing this, I'm like, oh yeah, no, he could totally do it. He'd be great at it. Yeah, yeah man. Come Stringer on, Stringer Bell. Bell. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For Bond. Uh, no, he looks great. Uh, I think Jake is fine too. Uh, like he looks good. I think he's a little too old, but that's just like a little, like a real nerdy Nick pick. I think he should be like four years younger. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm not I don't know because he's supposed to be ten, little, ten or eleven. That little kid shit. Oh, okay, my uh, yeah. my uh, my nitpick RJ of the trailer. This is like so. It has nothing to do with anything. But there's like the little photograph shot of the Outlook Hotel, and I'm like, oh yeah. fuck, this is just for like goddamn uh, clickbait websites. Fifteen yeah. things we learned from watching the Dark Tower trailer. <laughs> and, there, yeah, yeah, I I actually clickbaited on one of those. I was baited to oh, click on RJ because uh, there was a. It was like, did you catch that Pennywise thing? And I was like, huh? And there's a scene where there's balloons in it and it's like all right settle down yeah i know it probably is a pennywise thing but it's like just because there's balloons in a fucking stephen king movie doesn't necessarily mean it's it's an it connection but i guess it is so whatever what do i know whatever um no i don't know like i'm gonna see this thing uh but i am i'm on thin ice with this man i'm i'm nervous about it yeah uh, so, okay, okay uh it's uh what are we at here it's may 3rd 2017 the movie yep. is like just over two months away i guess uh what is its rotten tomatoes rating going to be <laughs> uh, on the day of release like on the friday 45 45 eh yeah mm, uh i'm gonna go with uh like 58 i'm just i'm like like people know i love stephen king i want good stuff of his okay it's just it makes me so nervous watching this thing they picked all the wrong stuff for it like they made it a marvel like big action movie which like it has a lot of action but they should have just made the fucking first book like just make a western 
Yeah. And then it would it would I think it would have got people. Or like I said, do the second book, the drawing of the three. I think that would appeal to a lot of people because that's the that's where it's the best is in uh, book one, book two, and uh, book four. That's the best. They should have just did that instead of trying to jam everything in a one because there was a scene in the trailer where it looks like it's like one of those evil beams from the sky kind of thing where like the tower's exploding so it's like it's like do they just get to the tower in this first book or in this first movie is this the only movie like i don't know man yeah i don't know i don't know either uh i i felt just kind of more i don't know there's this lame shit in there like Bullet timey, Matthew McConaughey, oh, stop, yeah. stopping bullets. It's just like, oh God, like this is so generic. Like all the, every safe decision they could be making and like the kids one-liners are even in the trailer. It's like, so are we being comedy now? Like usually you just save the comedy for in the movie. If you either you have your serious trailer or you do your jokey trailer. And this mm-hmm. is like trying to do both. I don't get it. Like it must be a mess. Like I think. I uh, think that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I mean. Like since like this was supposed to come out fucking two months ago i think this i think this movie is in serious trouble like i don't don't think it's gonna do good at all which is really too bad because it's it's the only pro like it's his biggest fucking property like his storyline that he always wanted to have done and it's just gonna fucking blow up well you know i guess what always happens though is like you can always remake it you can they always do do a do-over I yeah, know. I guess. It's just these, uh, yeah, bloated movies. It's like all those Wachowski movies that come out now. They're always just these big bloated things and no one gives a crap. Like Jupiter Ascending or something like that. Yep. This has that Jupiter Ascending vibe, actually. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of. Cloud Atlas. Or you're like, what? Uh, like, I don't know. People, We'll see. It's a trailer. Yeah. They can... we, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's it for news and preamble. Uh, yes. After the break, we actually are going to talk about a movie. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I know. Weird, eh? There's a movie this week? Yeah. Uh, We're going to be talking about that Black Orpheus. Uh-oh. Yep. So we're going to take a trip to Brazil to do so. <laughs> so see you after the break. I was at a dance when it caught my eye. Standing all alone, looking sad and shy. We began to dance, swaying to and fro. And soon I knew I'd never let him go. Blame it on the Bassanova with its magic spell. Blame it on the Bassanova that he did so well. Que je parle, mais toutes les guitares sont magiques. Elles chantent. Pas forcément celles des chanteurs, 
Mon maître à moi n'est pas un chanteur. C'est un conducteur de tramway de la grande ville. Qui voit bientôt se marier avec une très jolie fille. Je ne l'aime pas. Et qui tombe amoureux d'une petite provinciale. Tellement différente. Cela arrive tous les jours. Comme il est aimé de tous, tous ses amis vont l'aider. Jeunes et vieux. Riches et pauvres. Petits et grands. Cela entraîne beaucoup de petites comédies. Et même peut-être un grand drame. C'est une histoire d'amour très simple de tous les temps et de tous les pays. Avec de l'humour, de la peur, de l'horreur et de la magie. De la joie et de la mort. Et comme dans toutes les histoires d'amour, péchés et vertus mèneront les hommes et les femmes. Luxure et pudeur, gourmandise et sobriété, violence et douceur, colère et tendresse, amour, beaucoup d'amour. Il y a autre chose dans notre histoire. Quelque chose d'insolite, de mystérieux, d'inexplicable. Je ne suis qu'une guitare, je n'ai pas le droit de le révéler. Je voudrais tellement, car c'est très important. Si ma voix n'est pas couverte par celle de la grande ville, je vais dire ce que je sais. Écoutez-moi. And we're back. 
And we're talking about Black Orpheus from 1959, directed by Marcel Camus. Uh, this is a film that is based on a play that is an adaptation of the Greek legend of Orpheus and Eurydice. Uh, it is set during Carnival in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, and it follows the story of a uh, kind of, was it the, the Romeo and Juliet term? Uh, it's star-crossed lovers. <laughs> yeah, it's Orpheus and Eurydice, man. Yeah. It's its own legend. I know, but it's that type of that type of the deal. Ill, ill-fated lovers, I believe. Yeah, is young what lovers. What it falls under. Yeah. Yeah. So Eurydice is going to meet her cousin. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I guess like in a neighboring little community in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, and she's apparently being followed by somebody. Um, we're introduced to Orfo, and he is a uh, electric streetcar conductor type of guy. Getting off work, he kind of runs past her, doesn't think anything of her other than, hey, she's good looking. Uh, it's payday. He gets paid. We get introduced to his fiance, uh, Mira, who's a Flopping titted lady. Good lord, Joe. <laughs> Flopping and left and right all around town. And uh Kiss your mother with that mouth. <laughs> and she is all about the I don't know, dancing, people dancing. looking at her. Uh fast and loose mm-hmm. type of girl. Uh, and they're Jeez. all they're all getting ready. They're all part of the same samba company. Uh they're all performers in the carnival. And they're all getting ready because it's just happened in like a, a day or two sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing leads to another and old Orfo and Eurydice, they are falling in love and they, there's nothing <gasps> they can do about it. Beautiful. So beautiful. But uh, there's this guy stalking Eurydice wearing a skull mask and mm-hmm. it's all perverted, uh, symbolic and perverted and you don't know what's going to happen on that front carnival mm-hmm. happens mira she's crazy jealous and uh yeah uh one thing leads to another Eurydice is dead and old orfo he's got to find her so he goes and goes through hell of a sort bureaucratic mm-hmm. hell he comes That's the he, worst he, kind he even meets a he comes across a dog named cerberus <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, things end badly, but kind of on a really upbeat note. Um, so, like Lao Sing last week, I knew absolutely nothing about this movie going in. I have not mm-hmm. seen any Marcel Camus movies, and I looked up why that would be. And he basically was a one-hit wonder with this movie. Yeah. Um, this, this movie won the Palme d'Or at the 1959 Cannes Film Festival. It won Best Foreign Language Film at the Academy Awards in 1960. Um, and the movie was somewhat of a sensation when it came out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is just a movie that on paper and just like in context of like all these other Criterion movies, it's just something I never really wanted to go out of my way to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that there will be one day we'll be watching another film uh, called Orpheus. <laughs> And, really? Uh, yeah, some of that Jean Cocteau uh, fella. He's got his uh, Orphic, Orphic trilogy. So we'll be visiting this sort of narrative uh, again. That all being hmm. said, so watching this movie, I liked it a great deal. I thought mm-hmm. this movie was actually pretty fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. The story, like I, I, 
when I read the synopsis, again, it's kind of like, oh, that doesn't sound that awesome or special or anything like that. But there yeah. is like a real energy and look to this movie that is like super contagious and like you cannot dislike it. Yeah. Um, one of the big things, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know, depending on people's tastes, uh, the movie uses like non-professional actors. Mm-hmm. Like they just like essentially, I think uh, Bre- Breno Mel- Mello, who plays Orfo, he apparently was just like walking down the street and Marcel Camus stopped him and asked him, hey, would you like to be in a movie? Which I try all the time with dudes and they all say no homo to me. And uh, oh, You'll get them, bud, one yeah, day. I'll make my special movies. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so, yeah, there's this like, I don't know. There's this, uh, it's kind of like when we're like, there's certain directors that can really work well with amateur non-professional actors and get the best out of them, mm-hmm. like a uh, Werner Herzog and Camus here demonstrates it really well. Cause like, I, like, I wouldn't really doubt that any of these actors were professional actors. Like they all worked really well. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things though, is that this movie is dubbed. So there's like a lot of right. times where actors are not having the act of their own voices saying their own dialogue. Wait a second. Yeah. Your version was dubbed? I, well, I had it, subtitles. So, yeah, it's dubbed over, but in a foreign language. <laughs> like Oh. Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, I, I'm not sure if, like, you noticed it, but there's definitely times where, like, the dubbing is a lot sloppier. It's like an old film thing, like, particularly um, in Italian movies. Uh, which, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, where they just, like, dubbed in audio. Like, in this movie, they definitely had, there's times where, like, actors were just dubbed over. Um, yep. because they're, okay. there's something wrong with their voice or their cadence or whatever. And they just dump, even though it looks weird to do it that way. Yeah. I feel you. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, I think this movie is actually really great. Uh, I think it's one of the, it's definitely one of the, uh, first real big surprises for me, uh, in mm-hmm. our creep. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's like really, really good. What did you think RJ? <laughs> well, since you're asking, uh, as we mentioned last week, you knew nothing about this movie. I know a, knew a great deal about this movie, actually. A great uh, deal? All, a great deal. Uh, I honestly, I had never seen this before, but watching it, I felt like I had. And I swear, or like, I was like trying to like search for like video reviews of this, like from people that I follow, because I was like, I swear to God, I've seen a review of this movie or something. Like it was so familiar to me, but uh, I know what it was. And I didn't think it was just that, but it was because of Arcade Fire's Reflector album. Yeah. Because Reflector is basically an album that was made about this movie. Like, not the whole thing, but like three or four songs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what it was is they have a music video for the song Afterlife. And it is, it's just the movie. And um, that's what I was remembering. Like, they actually like nail a lot of the movie in that music video. So I was watching. It was like, man, I, it's like, it's like I feel like I've just seen this before, and I knew the story, and I had looked into it because uh, I used to be a pretty big Arcade Fire guy. Used uh, to be. So, no, I still am. Okay. Yeah, I'm not cold on them or anything like that. But uh, I just mean I used to be like really into them. Yeah. Uh, so like when I I remember when this album came out, and uh, before it came out, they were talking about how it was based on this movie. Basically, that's how they right. were selling it. And mm. I was like, "Man, what is this movie?" Yeah, I was, so like, uh, I, I, I really dug into it. Win Butler is a big fan. This is like one yeah. of his like all time favorite movies, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was, uh, I was really, I did some research, but I had never actually watched it. So this mm. was a first watch for me, even though it felt very familiar. And uh, I actually really liked it a lot too. 
Um, like I was, uh, kind of like what you said, I was really surprised by how charming it is Yeah. because like there's certain things like there's some plot holes in there and like there are certain things that don't actually like add up where it's like one character's like, what's going on? It's like, well that happened. It's like, how did they get to that conclusion? But you don't even really worry about it. Like, cause like I noticed it, but I was like, oh man, I was like, I don't even care. Like, it's like, who cares? It's carnival. You're having fun. Like it, it's like you said, it's really, it feels warm and it feels inviting Mm. and you can't help but kind of get swept up by it. And there, I don't know. It has a, there's like a magic to it. Like when the kids are talking about like making the sunrise, basically like love and like music and stuff like that. It's like, man, these kids get it. They know what's up. Yeah. That, yeah. Super charming. So, um, yeah, because the movie opens up with like um, Rapisa Dawn, who's a uh, Eurydice. Yeah, she's actually from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. And like, yeah, so like, I mean, yeah, so she's like great in this. Like she, like, I don't know, she exudes all those qualities of just like a really great like female mm-hmm. protagonist. Like you're just like, yeah, I, I want to see what happens with her. I like, And she yeah. doesn't have to do too much. Uh, She just gets to be herself like i've read some complaints that they don't feel that the actual relationship between them feels won over like they don't have that like energy but i was like yeah i don't know about that i uh i would disagree i think uh i I think they do it pretty good especially with the mirror in there like mm. the tension between her and the two of them it all fits yeah it's a classic love triangle all her expressions and stuff like that or like yeah for uh the What's her name? Lord de Olivier Mira. She's really good. And like uh, Leah yeah. Garcia, the the cousin Serafina. She's like great. Like it, she's they're they're character types, I guess. Because like I was trying to think, like this is like kind of almost like a like a romantic comedy, but it's like absolutely not. Because <laughs> to, to a point, to yeah. A point, but I mean, like all those things are there. But it's like kind of like you're getting to see like that romantic comedy play out under the filter of like this like 1959 movie shot in Rio de Janeiro uh, mm-hmm. by a French director. And it's like kind of at times like almost like a documentary. Like it's just like, like the, the, the yeah. film resembles like almost like a, like a travel log rather, right. rather than like a movie movie, which is great because it means that there's no sets or like the sets so, are like done yeah. in like a, not in the usual way. Like there's a lot of stuff versus outdoors, yeah. which uh, I think we've stressed before here on the podcast that it makes such a big difference to be like shooting mm-hmm. on location and not just in um, – Sound closed, closed quarters somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about that documentary field, there actually is a documentary on this movie about mm. the making of it that came out in 2005. Yeah. And I swear to you people out there, the fans, I tried my hardest to watch that fucking thing last night mm-hmm. and it would not go. I, I kept trying. So like, I was using the Android box and like I could find it. But sometimes like so... It'll offer you like a HD, like 1080p versions of things, but sometimes like there isn't stuff available. So when I was doing those first seasons of uh, Simpsons, it was offering like 1080p HD, and I was like, I don't think there is like a quality like that, even if you restored it. So sometimes what happens is it mixes mixes it up and gives you a different stream. So I, I found it and I kept clicking on it, but what I kept getting was an adaptation of a Agatha 
Agatha Christie book called uh, something like and then there was none or something with Sam Neill in it <laughs> so and I don't think that's what the documentary on this movie was no. so I'm just I, I tried my hardest for you guys I just couldn't find it so I don't know I don't even know where that thing is available like how uh, you can it's, watch well, it it's, it's on the it's on the actual disc of it um Okay. And, I, was, and I, I also was. I also went to, to acquire a copy of it. Could not find it. Yep. No, no one has uh, digitized that, which is kind of weird because people have definitely put the movie with like one of the other special features on there, which is more of like mm-hmm. a general or like fifteen minute retrospective, but not the full length. Looking for Black Orpheus. Yeah. Well, so, that's too bad because I would have liked bad. to see that. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, there's just something about this movie. Uh, like the color. The colors are yeah, fantastic. The cinematography, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then there's the music, which I guess is like one of the big uh, influences of this movie because it introduced the mm-hmm. that bossa nova sound, uh, which apparently uh-huh. is one of the things that Wynn Butler really likes and uh, drops into that Reflector album. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's a Pixies fan, and they're all about the bossa nova. So yeah. So there you go. Yeah, no, the music's great. It looks great. The The colors, for sure. Is awesome, and then there's just something about it too, like um, the way it plays out, like what you're saying about like the death character, yeah. like it's a dude in a like a leotard, yeah. a just a, a tight blacks like a nylon thing with bones on it, mm-hmm. uh, and like a skull head, and uh, but it's 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 just played straight, and yeah. and he's you're just, like, oh shit, this guy's scary, yeah. and he's not a character in the story. It's like he nope. he is playing he's death. death. Yeah, it's, so yeah. it's like not that far removed from like Seven Seal or whatever. It's just like, oh, here's Death, and he's just wandering around. And um, yeah, so when he shows up, though, like I was like, what? This is like a Giallo yeah. movie all of a sudden. Like this, like like mm-hmm. he just needs some like black leather gloves on, sneaking around. And then you, when you get to like the whole like um, big chase scene when she's like mm-hmm. uh, uh, running away from Death, and she's like in the like like kind of the basement like electric like the electric plant complex and like the crazy lighting which is like something out of like a mario bava movie uh and like you have this like skull faced man chasing after a woman it's like oh this is like turned into like a horror movie and like Mm -hmm. it's all done without any music it's just like her running her way and like uh of course i always like think back when i watch this stuff i'm like why don't you just find like a nice quiet little area and hide there like there's no Mm -hmm. possible way this guy's gonna find you if you find a nice little dark spot and just stopped running because he was death himself though i know death will find you no matter what it'll always find you no i was actually i was really curious to think or to hear what you would say about that because uh he when you said you had no idea about it Mm. um like i was saying like i like and i hate that i was i knew so much about it from the arcade fire stuff because like i knew that death was a character that eventually caught up to her because in that music video, it shows all that. And then it even shows like the seance at the end, kind of. Right. When, when he's like, she's received the spirit, which that part too, I thought that's so cool. I love that. Um, but uh, yeah, I was really curious to see what you would say about that. Because I knew that the movie would have this kind of like, it would just kind of turn like all of a sudden where it seems like it's this romance movie. And then all of a sudden there's like death, like chasing them. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know what uh, what you would think of that, so I'm glad you liked it. No, no, yeah, I like I, it's, it's, it's played it, really good. Yeah, it works well. It, it's just like it has this movie has like really unique energy to it, which sounds very yeah. new age and uh, hippy dippy. But I don't know. It, this movie is like mm-hmm. it, it really does feel unique, uh, and it has like 
something else to it that like I don't think you could calculate. And it seems like movies maybe try to do this and then they fail. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, what was your first introduction, RJ, to the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice? Because fittingly enough, uh, I'm pretty sure that mine would have been the Sandman comic written by one Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Ah, uh, so yeah, no, that's, it's nice that you mentioned that. Um, uh, I read Sandman after Reflector came out because I was a little bit slow to the se- I really liked Neil Gaiman for a long time and I read most of his books, but Sandman took me a while to actually, uh, get to it. I was saving it. Yeah. I was saving it. Uh, actually probably arcade, the arcade fire stuff. Unless, like, I'm sure the story has been adapted in a way, like in a Disney movie somewhere. Yeah. Like how Lion King is just, was that Macbeth or Hamlet? Hamlet. Like how Lion King yeah. is just Hamlet. Yeah. So I'm sure it's happened like that and I've seen it before, but I can't peg it. Yeah. Well, this is the whole thing, like, no, don't not turning around, going to hell. And, I mean, yeah. That, so Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> the Disney movie. Yeah, do they, is that what happens in that movie? I don't know, but that movie rules. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 uh, that's after my uh, Disney viewing time. Oh, well, we'll talk about that another day. Okay. Because that's upsetting. Um. So, yeah. And then, and then Eurydice dies. She, she gets electrocuted. Yeah. And, man, that, like, really bummed me out. <laughs> I really, yeah. I, like, I don't know. It's not very often where I watch a movie and I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, and she's still, she better be alive still. Oh, she better mm-hmm. just like, just bring her back. Just bring her back to life. Just bring her back to life. She doesn't need to die. Well, not in this movie. They look, they, they barely even got to know each other. They barely like hung out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And then, well, I guess even before that, Mira chasing her down with a uh, door handle <laughs> that she yeah, had tore like, off the door. That chick was going to kill a bitch. That's what she said she'd do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, crazy. I was very, uh, very kind of moved by her death and I really didn't want her to be I didn't want her to be dead and then you get the whole process of him like finding her it's like yeah I don't know it's really well played um yeah I mean yeah some might say it's like oh like this comes out of nowhere this like critique of bureaucratic life in Brazil in 1959 or whatever but I don't know it's kind of weird because like he's not going he's not descending down into hell he's actually going down or he's going up the stairs uh to like the place of uh the, the missing person's uh, mm-hmm. area where all these names are there and I'm sure that's probably like some sort of political thing that I'm maybe mm-hmm. missing as far as like the politics of Brazil in 1959 according to at least like Marcel Camus a French filmmaker um, mm-hmm. but yeah and then uh, yeah and then it gets even sadder <laughs> as he finds her body and he, he brings her, her he brings her out uh, of out of the confines of the hospital and whatnot and he brings her up to a hill spoiler and, spoiler and then he catches a fucking rock to the head from uh angry Mira. vengeful Mira and him and that body go a tumbling down that hill hard um, mm-hmm. uh, it's like oh those are a pretty good looking stuffed bodies that they threw down that hill <laughs> no those those are homeless people that they threw threw oh. down the hill it's like it's like the beyond <laughs> Yeah, Un- unconfirmed homeless people were yeah. actually murdered in this movie. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> then it's super fucking sad. And but, but then you but, know what? But then what happens next? Then it's got like one of the, like and like right after what talking about how Swiss Army Man had like one of the best endings. This movie's got a really awesome ending. That's yeah. like super good. Uh, it actually kind of reminded me of Naked Kiss. 
uh, with singing kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. performing kids, and being like, man, this really mm-hmm. elevates a movie. And yeah, the movie just ends with this like really perfect beat of uh, throwing back to this whole idea of like kids believing that uh, Orfeo could uh, bring the sun up with his guitar. And now the kid's like, holy crap, he- he's gone. And like the sun's got to come up. We got to get the guitar mm-hmm. playing. And you get that. You get this great little scene, kids dancing, and life just continues and the cycle continues. And what a mm-hmm. heck of a thing. Heck of a thing, RJ. A heck of a thing. You are darn tootin', yeah. Jared. You're darn tootin'. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I... I'm glad you liked it, man. I'm glad that uh, this movie kind of stirred something in your cold, dead heart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what a, what a what a rare treat. Yeah. No, I think what you said uh, some kind of sums it up best. Is there's there's an energy to this movie that's kind of hard to. Well, I think we described it, but I mean, it's it's hard not to just kind of fall in love with it. This energy. Mm. I mean, uh, your buddy Barack Obama. I don't know if you know this, but oh, I, I saw that I well. saw that Wikipedia entry, RJ. Hey, we have the it's same his, Wikipedia. It's, it's, I know. Uh, I believe it's his mother's favorite movie. It is. Well, apparently, yeah. it was the first foreign film she had ever seen. Mm. But he has a hard critique of that. Yeah. But you know, that's people, what happens. People can read about that themselves on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a raw energy in this movie, and it's nice. You know what else is really cool? Hmm. When uh, this Orfeo guy, he just lives in a hut with like chickens and kitties oh, and puppies and yeah. stuff, how, and how, it's how and it's beautiful. To, how did I forget to write that down as a note? Yes. Well, you must be a nerd, but that's uh, that's very that was a very RJ thing in this movie. It's so it's so beautiful, guys. Everyone like hangs pup- out with the animals and the goats. They're all coexisting. There's yep. a goat. There's a puppy. There's a chicken. And he's just playing guitar for them, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, my first note, Jarrett, was onion lady for Prez because uh, <laughs> they really sell this lady selling onions. Right. And it's awesome. It's awesome. awesome. I like onion lady. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. We've talked about this movie. We both like it. Yeah. You should like it too. Yeah, folks. Fan. But guess what, RJ? What? There are people, there are pieces of shit that exist in this <sighs> world who hate this movie, apparently. What kind? Oh, let's see here. Someone here named Safia Pereira or something like that. They gave this movie one star. Honestly, it was a bore many a time, and I had to force myself to keep watching it. But when I got sucked in, this movie was larger than life. It plays like a play, not a film, and that gives it a magical element. Hmm? That's a one star review. <laughs> I don't I don't understand the uh the criticism of the review. Uh I, I just I don't understand. I don't know. It's uh I don't know. I, I would definitely say this movie was not a bore. In fact I felt it actually motored along really nicely. Um yep. yeah, this movie I had, cause I had to wind up watching this one on my laptop and like it was like fine. Like I just like it played real f- well. Hmm. Not a clunker like some things. Um, Eugene McCran, they gave this one and a half star. The location hmm. footage is mildly interesting, but it doesn't stray too often from the hillside where most of the action takes place, and the action is pretty sparse. Complaints aren't due to any one significant problem. It's just rather boring, like a children's fable with lots of shit about the relative patriotism of Brazilian natives. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. What's 
What's he talking about? Like action? Did he did he think this was a Michael Bay movie? Uh, I don't know. Like it's just like all the scenes are like yeah, it's people talking about stuff, but it's all like I don't know. Like I said, like that it's like a rom- it plays like a romantic comedy. So like it scenes with people just like hanging out and talking and like in relationships and jealousy and stuff. That's all there. Right. Uh, yeah. That, uh, <laughs> weirdo, man. That, that's, that one's pretty weird. <laughs> what a weirdo. Uh, there, there's like ones I didn't, uh, copy over, but then there's people who seem to object to this film's, uh, apparent racism. I, uh, I don't quite understand that. Like, uh, am I missing something? Am I, am I just really uh, ignorant? Uh, well, or RJ, or are you, are what? you, are you familiar with colonialism? <laughs> Uh, not. Uh, they, they don't talk about that much in neuroscience. Not, not really. I yeah. mean, we we just talk about butts and dumps. Right. Yeah. As as it should be. As it should be. Uh, I'll, I'll see. If yeah. I can, I'll, I'll see if I can find one here. I'll, I'll throw it out there. See if I can find someone that states their case in a convincing manner. Um, there's somebody writing something that's not in English. Oh, uh, as a Brazilian, this is from Gustavo S. H. Razera. As a Brazilian, I must say it took me quite a while to recognize my own country and people under Camus' foreign, exoticized gaze. This mythical Mm. romance is best viewed as a musical of sorts, unless one's unwilling to suspend disbelief, actually believing poor Brazilians dance all the time, carnival time or not. Among the grievances, the numerous samba sequences that are absurdly long, the soundtrack, which often veers into the realm of cacophony, and the acting, which is mostly unconvincing. It gets better as it gets darker, more tragic, more ethereal, though it takes some time to get there. Overall, a palm door and Oscar winner, it just leaves a lot to be desired. It gets better as it gets darker, huh? Yeah. Seems like it just seems like something everyone says about everything. Yeah. You know? It's like it's good, but it needs like an edge, you know, like gritty. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, oh, I I didn't notice this one. Uh Ben De Bono. I believe he does a Criterion podcast somewhere out there. Um, He says, this didn't work for me at all. I know the Samba scenes are part of what a lot of people love, but after the first hour, they really grated on my nerves. (laughs) Grated on my nerves. They really grinded his gears, eh? I guess so. Oh, here's here's one from Lee Razor, two and a half stars. Hey, white folks, want to see some dirt poor black folks happily living in slums while they sing and dance all the time? Well, this is the movie for you, RJ. There's even a watermelon eating scene, and the acting is pretty poor. The French director apparently stopped the lead actor, a soccer player, when he saw him in the streets. Oh, they read the same Wikipedia entry I did of Rio yeah. and asked him if he wanted to be in a movie. Unfortunately, he did. On the other hand, it's hard to Jeez. be too grumpy while listening to the infectious bossa nova playing and the rhythms that go on throughout the film. And it is carnival season, which looks like a lot of fun. And there's a couple of kids with somewhat important roles who were great choices. Easy to imagine the folks of Khan and the Academy being blown away by this film in 1959. <laughs> so he, he likes Wikipedia, eh? Uh, yep, everyone does. Everybody We're does. all children of Wikipedia. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. Uh, people are wrong sometimes, Pe- and uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. This movie worked for us, so there you are. It sure did. It's a good show. Everyone should watch it. Any parting shots? Uh, onion Lady for President. All right. Uh, after the break, uh, I'm going to chase RJ into a <laughs> power plant, and I'm going to accidentally hit the power switch, and he's going to be electrocuted and die. 
that's the better new, men have that's the new theme of uh our, uh, our transitions show? is rj dying at my hand yeah. all i can say is better men have tried so let's see RJ, what's your carnival costume? Uh, I am a cucumber. Um, and that's it. <laughs> you can email us at criterioncues at gmail.com and let us know what your carnival costume is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on that letterboxed. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. And hey, I, I'm watching movies again, so pay attention to that stuff. Uh-oh. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Next week, RJ, Spines, oh. 49 and 50. Oh, no. Mamma mia. Fellini is back. The Federico the Fart Fellini. He's back. And uh, we'll be watching Knights of Cabiria from 1957. And, and the ship sails on. From 1984. Oh, it's been a while since we've been a uh, while. hung out with our good, close, personal friend, Federico. Not long enough. Well, uh, it should be a good one. <laughs> we'll see. I, you know what? I haven't seen either of these movies before. So, uh, nice. I don't know. I'm hoping for some of that Amarcord magic. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll get, you hope for Amarcord, but what you... What you'll probably get is with Dolce Vita, so. Okay. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. good night, folks. I'll see you later, I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>